Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hi. How's everybody doing this week? Anyway, uh, that's great. So I've got Ginger Morris on today. Ginger is uh, one of the most amazing people that I've ever come across. She's just the sweetest, kindest, most knowledgeable person I've ever met. No, that's not true. I mean, she's all of those things, but I I don't know about ever met. Uh, But she is one of the coolest people in the entire world. Uh, And I just, she has an energy about her. And anybody that has ever come across Ginger knows that she's got that energy that just, just makes you feel better. It just, it just makes you kind of wish you were just a better person because you kind of had a, uh, you, you had an encounter with the Ginger Morris. So I was super excited to have her on. Also, she has a connection to Mark Seraf, and Mark Seraf has known uh, me since I was born. I believe he met my father back when they were like five or six, just some old Austin Jews, uh, chumming it up over some uh, bagels and locks, little schmear on there maybe some capers maybe maybe I'm not a big caper fan my wife's a big caper fan I'm not a I'm not a big caper fan I am a Batman fan and he is the cape crusader not the caper crusader that would be something different but anyway so Mark Serif Ginger Morris me my dad blah 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 there's a connection Ginger also helps she's one of the people that helps run uh, impact arts and I will include a link in the description of this this podcast, uh, but I I implore you to check out Impact Arts. It's kind of a cool. It's a great website. I'll say that it has amazing tools for you and your students. And yes, you can go there or do things live. But they've also got like musical in a box and different professional development type things for you. Different ways to get your students engaged. But I would highly recommend checking out the Impact Arts website, impactarts.org. Uh, and again, I'll include a link. Uh, this week is my musical, uh, Tale as Old as Time. That's what the musical's called. I think it's also known as Beauty and the Beast. And it is a, a big musical. And we just had, as I record this, it's Saturday morning. And we had our 8 to 6 tech rehearsal yesterday. That's one of the beauties of where I work. We were able to take the school day, take these kids all out of school, be in the theater. It did not feel feel at all like a 10-hour rehearsal felt a lot shorter and uh, which I'm grateful for but we had we had a great time it it was actually a a really successful day when it comes to your tech rehearsals and I told the kids afterwards I was like hey you guys did a great job now if you want to see me angry forget the roles you were assigned Forget the scenery that you were assigned to move and the props that you were assigned to take from actors and things like that. That's when I start to get a little annoyed. But uh, I have full faith that everybody's going to be fine and it's going to be a great musical. It is November 11th through the 13th, so this week. Come check it out. I think it's pretty much sold out, all four shows, but why not try, you know? You can uh, go to coopertickets.com org coopertickets.org uh the other thing that's happening this week potentially tonight so this is going to come out afterwards but at the moment the Houston Astros are uh 
up three to two against those pesky Philadelphia Phillies. Now, uh, I hope they win the World Series. Obviously, the, they might have won it by the time this gets published. So, you know, whatever. Congratulations, Astros, or hope you win game seven tonight, whatever the scenario is. But uh, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, I like seeing them in the World Series. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it that, that I have to talk about. I don't really have much to say. Uh, my daughters are getting older. There was a lot that happened this past week. My daughter told me, you can't talk to me like that. She also told me that I don't do anything around the house, which I may or may not. Don't worry about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, I think I'm just going to stop here, get to the interview with, uh, an amazing, amazing human being. If you don't know Ginger, I, I really encourage you to check her out wherever you can. i I don't know if she'll be at Texas Thespians. The schedule actually comes out in a couple of days. Uh, I'm assuming she'll be at Texas Thespians. But uh, I, I encourage you, anytime you get the chance to take a Ginger Morris workshop or just get to like go up to her and meet her, that you do. Because she's she's pretty great. She's infectious, if you will, in a good way. A good infection, if that's a thing. Ginger Morris is a good infection. That should be a shirt. You're welcome, Ginger. I hope you guys enjoy the... Uh, the interview, check me out on Twitter, the Facebook, all of the above. Leave a review, blah, blah, blah. Enjoy this week. Have a great week, everybody. And I'll see you, most of you, in a couple weeks at Texas Espions. Bye. I was uh, born and raised in McAllen, Texas, which is um, on the border, on the Rio Grande, um, in the Rio Grande Valley on the border. And um, my... Uh, I guess my first experience with theater, my dad had a buddy who worked at the university and did some a lot of RTF kind of stuff. And he did these community theater shows and they did, they were doing a show called, uh, it was a melodrama called No, 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 A Million Times No. And they asked if I wanted to be in it. I was six. Uh, they asked if I wanted to be in it. And I was like, yes, that is that sounds so fun. Put me in. So I was the tiniest milkmaid in a very long line of milkmaids. I can't tell you what the show is about anymore. Um, I can tell you that the and we got to opening night and we're all backstage. And um, <laughs> I was like, all of a sudden, I didn't feel well. And uh, I, I was, you know, there's like a little bit in it where uh, the little one, the little one was always like in the wrong place at the wrong time or, uh, you know, did something and someone had to whistle because I was going the wrong way or, you know, whatever. And uh, and so I, I, uh, <laughs> I was about to go on stage for the first time and um, I there were like some parent volunteers, I don't know. And I was like, excuse me to some stranger. Um, and I said, I really don't feel well. And they were like, it's okay. You're just nervous. You'll be fine. Just go on out there. And uh, I, this is kind of a gross story now that I start talking about it, but uh, I start walking out to do the, uh, the, my first appearance on stage ever. And I was so grateful that I was holding a milk pail because I indeed was not nervous. I was sick <laughs> and right as I was walking on stage that milk pail became a you know puke bucket so uh that was literally my first experience in theater I did not make it on stage <laughs> I ran the other way so um 
I, and honestly, I don't think I did theater after that for a couple more years. I was hanging out with a friend and she was going to some theater summer camp and I'd spent the night at her house and she was like, do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go. So I went and it was like a summer camp acting summer camp thing for, you know, I don't know, elementary school kids. And uh, there was this woman that was teaching them accents. And I was like, what? This is so cool. Why? Why didn't I? Why wasn't I doing this for my whole life, my whole 10 years? Um, and so we were like learning, you know, all these different accents. And then we did improv. And I just I was like, this is really fun. I had no idea that this existed and that I could do this. And uh, and so I honestly also don't really remember what happened between that and middle school. I don't know if I kept doing theater or if I just thought like this was cool and then moved on. But in middle school was the first chance like in school where I could do theater and they were like sixth grade. What do you want to do? And they had a one act play contest and we had theater class and, um, you know, I did uh I guess I did choir in middle school. So maybe we didn't have an actual theater class now that I'm telling the story because I think I would have taken it. <laughs> um, but I did choir and everyone thought I was tone deaf, which is hilarious moving forward to the fact that I do mostly musical theater now. But I was told that I was tone deaf and to lip sync in choir class in high in middle school. Um, but I did the one act play my must have been seventh and eighth grade years. And uh, and that was sort of the beginning of like, oh, this is really what I want to do. And in seventh grade, I was, you know, asking, oh, my gosh, I was so excited because the high school, high school was very, the theater department in the high school was so active. And I was just like trying to get through middle school so I could be in that program. And uh, and then they built a new high school for all the freshmen to go to. And so I was really getting ready to get to that high school that had the theater department that did all the competitions, that did a big musical, that did a fall show for all of the other schools to come see, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then uh, I ended up going to the freshman school my freshman year and had a, you know, a new theater teacher. And she's awesome. I actually just ran into her at a TXETA and years. I haven't seen her, I don't think, since then. Um, but she was our freshman year uh, theater teacher. And she she knew that a lot of us were disappointed that we didn't get to go be at the high school uh, and that, you know, we thought was the coolest thing ever. And so she had there were opportunities for us to get to work with students from the high school and with the directors from the high school. And it ended up being like a nice sort of, uh, I guess, stepping stone before going to the big, important high school theater <laughs> department. Um, and so then I, you know, got into high school theater. I got into um, speech competition. I was really in, I don't have any idea how I felt into that, except that I think I saw some older students doing it and it looked really fun and they got to go to tournaments and miss school on Fridays a lot. And I thought yes to that. Um, so I did a lot of, I mean, I was gone a lot for speech competitions. Also, um, when you live in the valley like it takes it took four hours just to drive to san antonio and that was like the closest thing to 
you know, like big city. And so it was super exciting to go do these speech competitions in like Corpus and San Antonio and these really big cities. Uh, so I got, you know, getting to travel <laughs> was very exciting. Um, and then also in high school, there was a community theater in Westlaco, which was like 20 miles away. And so in the summers, most of my friends would go do theater at this community theater. And um, a lot of the same students from high school and a lot of the teachers from high school worked at the community theater. So we all, you know, we were like, yes, let's just keep doing this thing we love some more. Um, and so we did, I did that every summer. And there was something about community theater that I think struck me when I got older. Um, the idea that everybody cares so much, I don't know a different way to say it, but everybody was like, you know, coming in to paint the set and coming in to, you know, sew the costumes and do whatever needed to be done. And it was a very small, intimate theater, which was really fun to work in. Um, and, uh, and so I was doing like, my high school had like a 1200 seat auditorium that was just like painfully huge. And then the community theater I did shows in was like an old water tower reservoir that seated nine, you know, had 90 seats in it. And so it was nice to have, I think, those different experiences when I was younger and see how different theater could be. Um, and I knew I wanted to major in theater. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I, I think if I could go back and ask my former version of myself what I thought was going to happen, I would have told you that I was going to be in a sitcom, maybe a sitcom called Ginger, because that's how that's how <laughs> cool I thought I was. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I had only watched sitcoms. But I only did theater. I didn't do film. I didn't know what I didn't do. See, I didn't know what any of that other stuff was. But that's what I was consuming mostly, I guess. So I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Um, that is not the that's not the uh, journey I took. I definitely, um, I, I, I was a little scared to go to college, to be honest. I did the comp, the not, I did the auditions at what was TETA back then. Um, I, I, you know, did all the talking to the different colleges. I, you know, at the time I wanted to perform. So I was going to talk to different universities and, um, I honestly ended up going to UT because my family all went to UT and I was like, sure, UT, Austin, that's, that's still close to home, but feels like it's going somewhere. Um, and I just wasn't ready to leave the state. Um, and so I didn't, and <laughs> I ended up in Austin in 1994, 1994, and I am still in Austin. Uh, so I went to UT I had a teacher actually in high school tell me that I was going to be just lost at UT it was going to be too big and I was never going to find my way um and I am going to admit it is significantly large and I don't know that I necessarily found my way but I found a way <laughs> so I um 
I was going to UT in the mid nineties when a lot of the theater was like performance art, which is not really my jam. Um, I really like linear storytelling. <laughs> and so when we were doing a lot of things that were really experimental, which I, I think I might appreciate more now than I did then. But at the time it was like, so nothing I was familiar with that it was like, I, I didn't even know how to like get in there. And um, so I was excited that I was being exposed to it, but I wasn't like driven by it. And um, there were these guys that had just moved to town and they started, they were starting a professional musical theater company and uh, they had a sign up in the hallway at UT. They were doing a, an a music audition. Wow. They were doing a, uh, an eight week workshop. It was for auditioning for musical theater. And I was like, hmm, maybe I would like to do that. So I called home and asked if I could borrow $200 so I could go take this workshop once a week on Mondays. And um, I went for a couple weeks and I, I can just take you back to that time when I was in middle school and people told me that I was tone deaf. Um, so then I'm like in this like adult musical theater. <laughs> audition class and I'm you know having to sing again and I mind you I did musicals in high school and I did have to sing but this felt very daunting uh in comparison and so I was very nervous but also like the people that were leading it were just so passionate and excited and like I mean, they talked about musical theater like it was this just incredible thing that it, that it just everyone's mind should be blown by like being exposed to this. Thing. I don't know. Something about them just made me so excited. And I was like, yeah, I just want to do this. This sounds awesome. And uh, and after a couple classes, uh, I I knew that they had done auditions for their first musical, which was Peter Pan. And uh, that they'd already completed the auditions, but I just wanted to do more stuff with these people. So I went after class and asked the guy if I could just volunteer on their show. And he said, well, funny, you should ask. We we don't really have it in our budget to have an assistant stage manager. Um, and we don't have our equity stage manager coming in until the equity actors come in, but we've got four weeks of rehearsal before they come in. Would you like to stage manage? You seem very organized. And I was like, uh, yes, yes, that's what, yes, I'll take it. Um, and the hilarious thing is that at the community theater that I grew up in and at the high school program that I grew up in, we didn't have stage managers. So I know that many, many programs do now. And it's awesome. But ours definitely didn't like stage manager was kind of assistant to the director did not really do what a stage manager would do in in theater. And, uh, and the internet was not as um, widely available as it is now. So I went to the library. And I checked out like 10 books on stage management and started ferociously reading to find out what I had just gotten myself into. Um, and it turns out that I, uh, I loved learning on the job. It was scary. Um, it was very scary. There were, you know, the, the, the 
I was 19. And the first day of rehearsal, there were 40 people in the show. And I was the only stage manager in the room. So I'm, you know, calling names. I'm calling out names to see who's there. I'm trying to, to take blocking and prop notes. And I don't, I, with, with very little information. So I made up so many things that stage managers have been doing simply for years and have figured out. And I'm there with like colored pencils, charting everything that's happening on stage and trying to figure out how to do this thing called stage management. Um, and I loved it. I loved it so much. It was really exciting. I learned so much about the process of putting together a musical that I would not otherwise have been exposed to, I think. Um, as a stage manager, you're kind of in the room all the time. You're with the directors and the artistic team and the the performers and the, you know, we moved, we did our shows back then at the Paramount Theater in Austin. So it was a union house. So I also was working with equity actors and the union stage hands and learning how the ins and outs of all of that. I definitely got in trouble once because I touched some scenery I wasn't supposed to touch. <laughs> you only have to get in trouble once to go like, oh, I understand the rules now. Um, so it was a very awesome experience. And then to see like the shows were huge. The shows, these shows were huge um, and, and lavish and amazing. And the people they brought in were incredible. And I'd never been part of anything like that before. And then seeing the audience just like lose themselves in, you know, the world of the show. And I, it was just a, an incredible experience. And um, so I, that ended up sort of being the first, I ended up working for that company. I, I built and ran their performing arts Academy um, and then after a while, I couldn't stage manage and do that. So I mainly was building the academy for them after a while. And then unfortunately, um, after 9-11, the company folded. So I also had the experience of being told that my job was no longer available. Uh, and so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I don't, you know, you hit, you have those moments in life and you're like, well, I, I'm sure I'll figure something out. I just don't know what's next. Um, and gratefully, I had a lot of connections with schools um, and, and community folks from running that academy. And so someone called me from St. Stephen's Episcopal School and asked if I wanted to start a sleepaway camp for them. They had always wanted to do a sleepaway, um, you know, performing arts intensive. And would I consider starting that. So that was in 2003. That was Texas Arts Project. And um, we, you know, I put that together and had uh, our first year, had a great turnout and had an awesome time and learned a lot. And it grew over the years. And it um, happened until until the pandemic. And then we've sort of been trying to figure out when we're going to get back to that. Um, and then the uh, two years later, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine and we were talking about how there's so many um, sort of pay to play places for young people to go. But that you know, we really wanted to come up with a way for high school students to to do something that they didn't have to pay to be part of. Um, but that was audition based and he was working at a university at the time. And so we were like, what if we did something for high school and college students? And 
um, which was kind of how Summer Stock Austin was born. We were at a Bennigan's at like three in the morning talking about how to, what do we do with the youth in the theater? Um, and so, and I was talking about my experiences being, you know, doing community theater and then, then going to do professional theater and trying to figure out like how we marry those into something that young people can be part of. How do we do something that feels professional and elevated that audiences are like, holy moly, I didn't know I was going to see something like this. And these are kids. No way. And also have a feeling of, of unified community in the process of building um, art. And so I think that's always been our goal for Summerstock Austin. And I would say like anything, some years it works better than others. Um, but but that's sort of how it was, it was born. And, and also just you know, having an appreciation for the different uh, parts and pieces that make up the creation of art. You know, the I think I I had no idea until I started working for a, a professional company that like marketing and fundraising and and all the different sort of elements of of tech and design that go into it. I didn't understand how how big that was, how wide that was. And in high school, it's sometimes one human who is trying to do all of those things, which is absolutely insane. And my heart goes out to, and I bow to all theater teachers <laughs> who do that because it's unbelievable. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the things with, with Summerstock that we were really excited about was sort of creating that place for um for professionals to come play but for uh for young artists to come and and to play with them and to get an opportunity to 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 work um in a setting that may feel a little bit more like what professional work looks like but has an educational environment so you can sort of fall on a cushion and we can still still make sure that that uh that you're supported in that process um, and so we started that in 2005. It has had its own journey since then. And then in 2014, um, but, well, and through all of those years, I was sort of guest directing and choreographing at a bunch of different middle schools and high schools and sort of cobbling my, my world together, doing the things that I love to do. And then um, in 2014, the Long Center asked me if I wanted to start the Austin's version of the High School Musical Theater Awards that Houston and Dallas were doing. So um, I was like, yes, another project. <laughs> I want more. And so I uh, went to Houston for a week to see how they put theirs together. I went to Dallas to see how they put theirs together. And then um, we started our first one in Austin in 2014. So we're actually coming up on our 10th um, year. And uh, so I, I, I went to work for the Long Center as their director of education and outreach for a couple years there. And about two years ago, um, I uh, started a nonprofit called Impact Arts and the um, Texas Arts Project and Summerstock Austin are part of Impact Arts. And I'm now contracting with the Long Center on the awards um, and continuing to do that as um, as we sort of build out the nonprofit. Um, and so the nonprofit, uh, it is, you know, new ish at a lot of programs that have been going on for a long time, but the actual umbrella now is new and it's sort of given us some freedom to expand things. Um, Summerstock Austin for years and years was like 
three live musicals and rap, two big shows that people know about, and then one uh, original musical for family audiences. And the guys who had been writing that for seven years for us actually are Emmy Award winners for a children's PBS program called the the, uh, Biscuit Brothers. And they kept saying, you know, Ginger, really, you should do something like a movie musical or something that is, you know, a digital format, something. Uh, And I kept saying, like, when would we do that? Like, uh, we're doing like these three live shows. When would we do that? And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, now, now is when we do that. (laughs) Now is when we make a movie and we shoot it all outside <laughs> in June. Um, and then in post-production, we edit out all the sweat. Um, so it, <laughs> we made Scout. Uh, that was our first movie musical in 2021. And when we were making the musical, we started, started talking about like, well, what educational benefits could we have now that we're making something that is, um, you know, that will last forever or for as long as it lasts in cyber land. I don't know. Um, And so uh, what we came up with was this musical theater in a box idea that um, we had these cool people hanging out with us doing summer stock. And we were like, what if we filmed them teaching things? Um, And we had someone who was working with us who was a certified K through 12 teacher who had been teaching theater in high schools for years and then then was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, And so she had some time. And uh, so she built the curriculum using national standards to sort of create this, this, you know, thing that we thought would be fun uh, to make. And now we're hoping that people think it's fun to use. Um, so it's, you know, it's lesson plans that are both video and written lesson plans that all sort of go around the idea of musical theater, singing, dancing, and acting, um, but are connected to the themes in the movie. And so that particular movie, the themes are very much community and and differences and acceptance and change. Um, so, which were things that were speaking to us at the time very much. Um, and so then this year we made a movie called How To Musical Theater, which is really not a how-to guide. That is just the title. Uh, it's, it's loosely a how-to guide. And uh, we're in the production for the second musical theater in a box that will tie to that movie um, right now. And, uh, and then we've got, you know, we've started sort of putting together in school workshops and professional development. And we have a private lesson studio. Um, A lot, I started doing a lot of work with students who were prepping for uh, college auditions several years ago. And I had a program that I was running for a couple of years um, to prep students for college auditions. And I, I kind of decided that there were a lot of things out there that were doing that. And I didn't know if that was necessary uh, when we were doing what other things we were doing. But we, as part of our private lesson studio, we are offering that as an opportunity. Um, and if a bunch of people came to me and said, we really want you to do this, I would do it again. But it just seemed like there was a lot out there. And we can cover a lot of that in workshops and master classes um, and just prepping, you know, songs and monologues and dances as needed. So I don't know if I've left anything out, but pretty much gets us to today. You would know. Yeah, you would know better than anybody. I mean, 
just again speaking, you know, before we kind of started recording, I Facebook stalked you, and it's just it nothing. Very little of what's on your Facebook says worked. You have a couple things that say past tense worked at, but for the most part, you're doing everything still. <laughs> it's like inst- instead of replacing things, you just keep you. You're building. This is how like a sandwich at the Guggenheim Deli is built. They're just like, put more on it. Just keep the bread will eventually be the, you know, we can move that bread. That's <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, wow. I, I wrote down a lot of stuff. Um, we, you and I have a lot of common, like I have a lot of parallels uh, of a few that I'll hit on. You don't necessarily have to answer okay. these things, but I got in trouble with Teamsters uh, because I got on the back of a truck while they were unloading a truck when I was a touring professional. And that was the one and only time I got in trouble with Teamsters. So I totally understand your, when you said you got in trouble for touching s- scenery with the IATSE. Um, Teamsters yeah. are worse, I would say. I'm te- sure. Yeah, te- <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your job is to load and unload a truck uh, and that's what you get paid for, don't you dare take any part of their job away from them. <laughs> but anyway, so I, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, then I was serious. I was not in a little trouble. I was no. like, this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get, you can get like financially, like it, it can hurt you in the pocketbook. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, so I knew that you uh, uh, had a, had a hand in, in the Heller Awards now, right? They're the, right? They are uh, the Heller Awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And used to be, was it Gatsma or? Yeah, that was the. That was very good. Yeah. It, it was whatever you wanted to, whatever an acronym you wanted to Yeah, it was to like, say. it's the yeah. Greater Austin, Austin yeah. High School Musical Theater Awards. So yeah. we're glad that we've shortened it. Yeah, the Heller is much, much easier. Yeah. <laughs> I went to HSPVA, and so people were like, Huspava? What is Huspava? And I'm like, that's not at all anything. We don't say that. <laughs> but uh, so that with the Hellers, you guys started those, you said, in 2014. So yeah. Um, the parallel is so there's the Patty Granville Awards that are in Garland ISD, which is East Dallas. And I taught in Garland my first year and I loved that award show. And I've said many times on my podcast how I feel about the Tommy Tune Awards, so I'm not going to go into that. But <laughs> I wanted to take an awards style show and bring it to Fort Bend ISD when I was there because we had 11 high schools that I was like, we could ease with 11 schools. That's plenty of content. I get it. Why two or three schools from a district go off and do the Tommy tunes and do Dallas summer Mm -hmm. and do uh, Hellers and all that kind of stuff. But we started the Babers in 2014. So, uh, but that was kind of like, it was 90% me and 10% other people, but it was, it's student judged. It's all, we, we send students to uh, the shows and they judge them. And so that comes with its own complications and many, many different complications. The basic of just transportation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it was, it's really fun. They still do it. I'm glad they still do it because it's one of the few things that when I left Fort Bend, I was like, I really hope this doesn't go away. And and to the credit of Travis Springfield and and others that are with him, they've kept it going. And so I'm, I'm proud of that. But Oh, that's right. awesome. Enough about me. This is about, it says your name on the marquee right now. So, <laughs> uh, you kind of, one of the things you glossed over was choreography that you had gone into or that, that there's a time and you still sort of do this, uh, go into high schools. I, and when did you learn, like, have you always been a dancer? Um, 
Yeah, kind of. Okay. I, I, uh, yeah, I didn't talk about this. I, uh, my mom was actually a ballerina. That was her deal. There you go. And she, um, she stopped dancing in her early twenties when she had children. Um, and so she tried to get me to do ballet when I was little and I was like, Oh, this is very boring. I do not enjoy this. Um, and so, but I went and I knew it made her happy. And then I, I think after a while I got to switch or I got to add like jazz and I was like, Ooh, jazz, this is fun. I like this. So I think I'm not very like, not a, like a rule follower. I'm not a, like a quiet, like ballet was just not for me, but like dance was very fun for me when I learned that I, you know, liked a different style and to be honest, like, yes, I grew up dancing. Um, I probably, stopped dancing at about 13 because I wanted to do theater and that was way more exciting to me. And I had no idea that dance was somehow going to be part of my life in the future. Uh, and then when I started working for the musical theater company, they were, I mean, dance was a huge part of what they were doing. And so I was soaking it up as much as I possibly could. I think those re rehearsals, when I was stage managing, I would literally like I would write down the the actual choreography that they were doing as well as the blocking. And then I would go home and like teach myself what they were doing. <laughs> um, I definitely had more time to do that when I was 19 than I, <laughs> than I would now. Um, but yeah, so I learned a lot just from, from doing where that's yeah. concerned. You know, I had some structure and basis, but I am not like, I would never be brought in to teach a like technical dance class i am way more of like a director who can choreograph like i and i can dance right. and i can do that stuff but i'm not a dancer first got it okay i just wanted to i didn't want you to just gloss over that because you know that's kind of a big thing you know get paid to do something yeah. it means you're halfway decent yeah well i think part of what makes uh i think that that um because i'm not a technical dancer I think that I can choreograph to non-technical people yeah. in a way that is uh, exciting and not dumbed down. Because if I can do it as a non-technical dancer, you probably can do it as a non-technical dancer. Right. And um, so I, I think I've had success in that area um, be because I have just enough dance training. I, I <laughs> and I'm more of a director. I have more of a visual eye. Yeah. and storytelling to what I'm doing. I think after experiencing one of your workshops, um, you, there's, there's a difference between teaching and telling and you teach things. You make sure that people in the room understand how it's going. You're not just telling them stuff. Um, and so I, I think that's why you're quite popular in the, in the workshop world. Speaking of workshops, when did you kind of figure out that you were good at leading workshops like what what was it that kind of clicked with you that you may think that you're not good I don't care but uh <laughs> it's not it's not your opinion that matters on this one but what uh when did you kind of figure that out okay well I appreciate I appreciate the 
uh, observation that you made. And I, <laughs> well, I do hope that that's true because yeah. I, I get bored easily. So I think I <laughs> teach, uh, I think I teach in a way that hope that I, I that wouldn't bore me, right. if that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, and there are workshops where I do have to talk a lot and I always feel like, Oh, this was probably really boring. So I try to like ask questions and make sure I'm using examples that are exciting. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think the first time I did a series of workshops was, I don't, a long time ago when maybe TETA was in Corpus, a, but like a long time ago. And I, I went because a buddy of mine was going and he was like, you should come teach workshops. And I said, I've never taught workshops. And he said, well, this is a great chance for you to, to do that. And I don't know that anything I was teaching was any good at the time, but it was my first experience teaching workshops. And I definitely figured out kind of, I think what people, what was resonating and what wasn't. And, uh, and then I, I just started doing the thespian festival workshops and, uh, just sort of trying to figure out, I think, you know, what, what was exciting to people. Um, and I, at, at the summer camp that I run, we normally do a couple days of masterclasses and workshops, and I would bring people in and I would go watch the workshops that I brought other people in to do and sort of go like, oh, okay, that actually, I see how that worked really, you know, just sort of learning by watching and trying. And I, you know, I, ho I hope that my workshops are, you well, know, are exciting. <laughs> I, like, I liked it. You know, I wasn't taking part necessarily, but I was, <laughs> I, I had to, you know, help with the online, you know, it was a few years ago now. Well, no, when was that? A couple of years ago right now. Uh, it was T, it was with T-Tech. With thespians, uh, um, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in, yeah. Ba or it was in Bastrop, in I think. Bastrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, speaking of Bastrop, which this has nothing to do with Bastrop, uh, do you think Austin has gotten too big? <laughs> Are you allowed to answer that? <laughs> you you gave me a look like you're on the city council or something. <laughs> I, was, I mean, in all honesty, I was about to just blur out yes, and then I thought, well. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this a yes no question? Um I mean yes, I I moved here in 94 and it has changed oh, yeah. so much and I I'm you know half of me is in the the camp of like oh it's too it's too big what happened <laughs> to old Austin and then half of me is in the like you know change is inevitable we got to roll with yeah. it and figure it out. So you know, I I feel both of those things at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll ask you a follow-up because this might be true. I, you can tell me better than, than most. The long center is w when I was with straight, no chaser, that was like top three spots around the country to stop at. Uh, just because it's just such, they keep it in such good condition, but it was also back then it was relatively new. Ew. Yeah. Um, and and it it's just immaculate, it's gorgeous. Now, do you think the Long Center would be there if Austin wasn't in its state of growth, or or you know, is that a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Is that is that a, a you know a cause and effect kind of thing where the Long Center is there because the city is growing and the arts growing. are growing and all that kind of stuff, or do you think the Long Center would have come out of you know? nowhere anyway um does that make sense that was a weird question 
Are you asking if the long center wouldn't have been built? Right. Do you think it? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. an easy way. To, <laughs> I could have just said that. I was trying to figure out if you were asking if it would go away, and Pe- I was no, like, no, 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 no. Would it? Would I it? Don't, would I don't it? Know. <laughs> would it not? Would it not? You know, if if Austin wasn't growing, would the long center be there anyway? Yeah. I, you know, I think there was a there was a the long center was built. I don't know what your long center was built, I'll, but I will tell at, you, yeah. it still really feels new and immaculate. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> it still feels awesome. Um, the, uh, 2000, at the time, 2008. 2008. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that at the time that it was built, there was such a desire in this city. I think, you know, we don't have a lot of... Um, we don't have a lot of theater buildings in Austin mm-hmm. at, at all, to be honest. We have Bass Concert Hall where the, you know, the tours come through yep. and we've got now the Long Center, which is the home for the ballet, the opera and the symphony. And the thing is that prior to that, the, the ballet and the opera and the symphony, you know, didn't really have a place. And I think the Long Center needed to happen to support the the stability of those three entities. And, um, you know, I think as Austin grows, I do think that the, that those, the, the ballet and the opera and the symphony will always, well, I can't say will always, who knows? I, I read plenty of articles about places closing down all over the country, but, um, but, but, you know, they still have a lot of support, um, for, for that, for those art forms. And so I do think that, that the long center, if those art forms were going to continue to be here, they needed a home. I got you. If yeah, that makes sense. Where did, where did they perform before? Was it Bass? I, f- I figured you were going to ask that. I was thinking about that as I was yeah. talking. Um, I think some at Bass, but also we had the Coliseum, the okay. city Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. And pe- we there were performances there okay. at the time. So I think probably, but it wasn't, I mean, it was a big, uh, I mean, it was a, not ugly. I don't know. Well, they weren't, they were, it was dated and it wasn't, I've been to the, I'd been there before because my, I, my grandparents lived in Austin. That's where they migrated to. But, um, so yeah, I'd been there. It was dated. We'll say that. Yeah. That's a nice nice way of saying it. Yes. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't a lot. You know, I think about Houston and Dallas and the number of like, and even San Antonio, they, all three of those cities have more. Yeah theaters than we do here which is a problem yeah it is a problem (laughs) and and what's crazy about the long center for people that have never been is it's on a patch of land that you would think would have been taken by then (laughs) because of the location yes but it but it wasn't uh i mean there may have been by far like the most beautiful view it's amazing i mean it's stunning it's awesome and our when we do the heller awards and the red carpet stuff out on that is is beautiful yeah that's really cool so yeah if 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 people are listening that have never been to the long center go um so when you uh were told you were tone deaf kind of switching up gears here uh, yep. w- where you kind of touched on this a little bit about when you auditioned at UT and this and that, but and saying that you did musical theater in high school. At what point did you just say, "F it," like I'm just going to keep going with what I want to do, even though somebody years ago said you you're tone deaf. I mean, like you know, yeah. that's a very I t- you know we you and you as well, uh, but educators have t- we have students all the time that that tell stories about 
so-and-so told me I can't do something. And then we as, typically we as good-hearted educators have to come in and say, no, no, you can. You can. You know, yeah. uh, when did that change for you? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and I, I don't know whatever happened to that choir teacher. She was a lovely human and I respected and loved her a lot. So yeah. it made it probably harder for me to hear that. I was. <laughs> but um, I, you know, even like there, my, my family was pretty musical. My, my whole family is pretty musical. My, my grandfather even told me like maybe dancing, not singing. Like it was, it was a very serious, like she's probably not going to be a singer. Um, I learned later. Um, so this is, I don't even know if this is an interesting story, but I, but I had a boyfriend in high school who was like a stellar singer and he, I was playing Frenchie in Greece. Frenchie, mind you, has, I think, one singing line. Uh, so I was, you know, obviously <laughs> cast appropriately at the time. And, uh, and he would go home after he'd meet me after school or whatever. And he would plunk it on the piano until I could match the pitch and he would keep going. And, it, and, uh, I learned the next year I played Catherine and Pippin and he was my, uh, Pippin. And so there was a lot more piano plunking that had to happen for me to learn that role. But but I don't, I think I didn't really understand that there was like right and wrong in singing, like that there were notes I was supposed to match. I was just sort of like free flowing. I was just like going for it and whatever I was feeling in my soul and accuracy was not even a consideration. And then when I learned that like it, there was accuracy to it, I was like, oh, well, if I had really understood that when I was younger, I think I would have even now been a stronger singer than I am, you know? (laughs) And so, so I just kept going like, okay, well, if I, if I can work on that, then I can, you know, take the next step to whatever. I always had a very loud voice. That was never a problem. Um, It was just doubly painful when I was not singing accurately. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people that if you're sitting around the campfire and people start singing harmony, I'm not going to be able to just sing harmony. I have to actually like learn it and know it. And, uh, and so I think I just had to figure that out. And, right. uh, and then I could do things that I had practiced. Um, so I'm never going to be like a great vocalist. I I can do enough um, yep. and I can keep working on whatever I work on. And I think I don't know. I guess that's a thing also when I'm teaching that I think is important just from an education. You know, there are people who are not going to get the dance steps and there are people who are not going to get the harmony part. And there are people um, and I and hopefully as an educator, uh, I am encouraging people to say, like, you're you may not get it now, which means you don't get to do it right now. But that doesn't mean that you can't go and and figure out ways to improve so that you can do it. And I, you know, none of that stuff came easy to me. Yep. It, none of it was easy to me. So I totally have a lot of like <laughs> compassion when it doesn't come easy to to young people. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, I've got a few more things that I want to get you out on but uh, but keep that in the back of your mind because that's kind of where I wanted to end was the compassion you know element of things I've got to ask you some fun questions uh just based on what you said in your story what was your go-to sitcom you said you just yeah yeah Yeah, you said you watched a lot of growing pains okay 
That's okay. <laughs> Probably growing pains and family ties were the ones okay. that were right. part of do my, you, like, I you, can't eat dinner with the family if this is. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you listen to Smartless? <laughs> no. The podcast, it's got Jason Bateman, uh, uh, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Anyway, being somebody that Ooh, watched Jason Bateman uh, grow up pretty much you should you should listen to that but it's hilarious it's one of my favorites but Ooh, i'll check it out okay uh and then um i i wrote down that your first stage experience has to be one of the best stories that i've ever personally heard in the 170 of these that i've done had to be one of the best no question with that just telling you that uh and then uh i've got i can't not mention mark Seraph. Uh, in the in the small world connection that we have with with Mark, um, and I think that means that Mark went to McCallum. He uh, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. He because did, that's yeah. how my 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 dad and Mark knew each other. Oh, uh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. High school. Yeah, I th- actually okay. I think it was before that. I think it was just being Austin Jews. Uh, they knew each other before that, but they definitely went to high school together. So. Again, no question other than, <laughs> you know, other, other, <laughs> well, other than that. I mean, connection. honestly, Mark Seraph is instrumental in a lot of my life story yeah. just because he was a, a board member of the first theater company that I was employed at and then was uh, a board member at the Long Center yeah. when I got that gig too. And he is now working with me a lot on this new software uh, yeah. program that is I, I I don't know. That guy can do anything. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> and and for people listening, if you don't know who Mark Seraf is, look him up. You'll figure it out real quickly. So yeah. uh especially theater people and just technology nerds <laughs> could, could could you know, that's how we can connect. Uh so I'm gonna get you out of here on this. Um first of all, I'm gonna put all of your links especially impact arts in, in the, in that little, uh, description below the podcast. So, uh, I'm going to hustle some stuff for you, but, um, you mentioned that, and again, it's something you quickly kind of glossed over, but it resonated with me because, because I too did a lot of community theater. And so I really understand what you said when you were like, these people were just, they were there to do this, they were there to do that. And they were really in it and they were passionate about it. Um, and you seem to, if people are listening, uh, you seem to be the same. You seem to put as much of that energy and passion and compassion in all the projects that you do, just the way that you kind of speak about things and all that. Is that, like, speak on where that came from and, and where you saw that. And it might be that it was from community theater and just how you kind of keep that same energy and compassion with all of the work that you do? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what that came from. Um, I, I think that I've always, maybe always been a, like, if it's worth doing, we got to really all get together and do it. We, you know, let's decide that we want to do it and then let's put all our time and energy into the, to the thing. Uh, I'm definitely a very product driven person. So I think theater, I found myself loving theater because there was like, you can, everybody gets together with this goal and everybody jumps in and wants to help and be part of something. And, uh, and then at the end, you made a thing. I I just can't, there's nothing else in the world that I can think of where 
where you get to do that over and over again. And uh, so for me to get to do that, uh, I, I can't I can't think of another way I want to spend my time and, and whether it's me doing it or working with young people, which I didn't know that that was going to be my my place either. I didn't know I was going to be a teacher and a mentor, uh, but I I did learn that I liked sharing that with hungry, excited people um, more than I was enjoying sharing it with people that had been doing it for a long time. And I, I like both of them. I, I prefer doing it with people who are excited and 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 are learning something for the first time. And and I think the most excitement I get as an educator is when someone does something that they didn't know that they could do. And and maybe that's because my life had so many of those where I was like, well, I don't think I can sing. No, you can do it. You know, I, I'm not really. a Oh, yeah, you're a dancer. You know, and I think so many of those moments and then, you know, working on a professional production when I was in a college and getting to be part of that. I think I love I love sharing experiences with young people where they go like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could be part of this. I didn't know that I could share this with my friends and uh, and that we could come together in this way. And uh, I, so all of those things, I think, are just the things that that I'm most passionate about that I love and that like if I, I can't complain if this is what I get to do, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> 